This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of the Sentinel Fort in Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. So let's recap what's happened this week. We had Bernie Sanders win the Iowa caucus on Monday night. And it was a clean sweep. Popular votes, realignment votes, and pretty sure at the end of this, he'll also win the meaningless metric of state delegates as well. Bernie wins the Iowa caucus on Monday night. Mind you that heading into the Iowa caucus, one of the main narratives coming from uh, Democratic Party apparatchiks and people who go on MSNBC and comment on this stuff is, holy shit, our party is in big trouble if Bernie wins Iowa and Bernie wins New Hampshire. So that's the narrative going in. Well, Bernie does win Iowa Monday, but no talk about Bernie winning Iowa on Tuesday. Why? Because the results weren't released Monday. Instead, they were released Tuesday, and we only got partial results showing that Pete Buttigieg won the state delegates. Now, Bernie did win the popular vote and the realignment vote still, but the media has this weird metric when it comes to Iowa to measure it based on state delegates. So we're going to release the partial results showing Pete Buttigieg ahead on state delegates. And then people start noticing as these results come in that there are huge errors in these results that give Buttigieg a narrow state delegate uh, lead. Errors like entire uh, delegates being taken away from Bernie Sanders and given to people like Deval Patrick or Amy Klobuchar. You look at these these numbers reported by the Iowa State Party, and in certain columns, you'll see that in certain precincts, Bernie wins the first vote, wins the realignment vote, but gets zero delegates, yet Amy Klobuchar got delegates. <laughs> sure, these could be all errors. These could just be honest mistakes. Except then we got more results in the middle of the night last night that brought us up to 97% reporting. And then it became pretty clear based on these new results, even with the discrepancies, that Bernie's going to probably pull ahead of Pete Buttigieg in state delegate as well. Mind you, again, Bernie has been ahead in the popular vote this whole time. Partial results are released showing Buttigieg winning this one small metric of state delegates. As those results come in more, it looks like Bernie's going to win that one too. A clean sweep. And those results came from the satellite caucuses. Exactly. Which were caucuses set up earlier in the day for working people and poor people uh, who couldn't afford to go to the caucuses at right. night. They couldn't spend the money on a babysitter and, uh, and travel, et cetera, et cetera. And, and typical, Bernie, Bernie won these caucuses. Typical of the Sanders campaign. They focused on these people, people who are usually powerless. And Bernie ran up the numbers in these satellite satellite caucuses. Those numbers are coming in. After this new dump, overnight, in the middle of the night, it looks very clear like Bernie's going to do the clean sweep victory in Iowa, even though Buttigieg has been claiming a victory for days and the media has allowed him to do that. Bernie's campaign announces that they're going to talk today. They're going to have an announcement today which is obviously an announcement 
finally getting to celebrate their Iowa victory, which has been denied to them for days. And then here comes Tom Perez, the DNC chair, with a tweet right before Bernie was about to start talking, saying huge irregularities going on uh, in Iowa. We need to do a re-canvas. Basically, we need to do a recount. Now, Tom Perez has been fucking silent for days as all this chaos has gone on about what should happen next. Finally, as we're about to get all the results, and finally, as it shows that Bernie's going to do a clean sweep victory, Perez is calling for a recount. And subsequent reporting uh, has shown that what has prompted Perez's decision for the recount wasn't the fact that votes were taken away from Bernie and given to people like Deval Patrick by mistake using air quotes here. No, that's not what or the huge irregularities in a lot of the other accounting that seem to only go in one direction, harming Bernie that have been reported in other outlets. That's not the stuff that Tom Perez is concerned about. Latest reporting is Tom Perez is concerned about the delegate allotment coming from these satellite caucuses, coming from the satellite caucuses that Bernie did very well in as those delegates are coming in. Tom Perez is like, well, maybe there's too many delegates here coming in for Bernie. Bernie cheated by getting the poors to vote. Yep. By getting the poors and the immigrants to vote. Further reporting (laughs) shows that Pete Buttigieg's campaign was on the phone with the Iowa Democratic Party earlier today as these new numbers showing Bernie would overtake Buttigieg were coming in, complaining about how many delegates are being awarded through these satellite caucuses. And that is what prompted Tom Perez to then call for a recount. I think it's pretty obvious what's going on here. I have no doubt that deep-pocketed donors within the Democratic Party who go on MSNBC and say this stuff all the time have, in closed doors and fundraisers, told Tom Perez that his sole job as DNC chair is to deny Bernie Sanders the Democratic nomination. They've told him that the future of the party is at stake and his future, his job, and whatever he thinks his future in the party is at stake as well if he doesn't accomplish this task. And we have to assume Tom Perez has taken that to heart. I don't know what else explains his decision making over the last few days. Ratman and Rat Boy working together. Yeah, meanwhile, polls. Rat, rats of a feather flock together, huh? Yeah, polls are showing Buttigieg with a big bump heading into New Hampshire. Bernie still with the lead. Uh, People in New Hampshire who support Bernie have to uh, vote on Tuesday as though every third vote is going to go to Deval Patrick or something. (laughs) It it does really seem like this, uh, and it it fits in perfectly with the Iowa caucus, which is already a mess on its own. Like if you could pull off a stunt like this in the election, in the primary, assuming that this is a stunt and it has all the trappings of a stunt, that it, it's perfect for the Iowa caucus and not just because of the complexity, but because of the time, because of the timing. Yeah. Because now the first contest and you have all these Bernie supporters who feel like correctly feel like the system is rigged against them and they probably feel very discouraged right now. You cannot get discouraged. You cannot get discouraged. This this seems like it's designed to get you discouraged. And it's hard not to get the dis- it's hard not to get down over this. But yeah, yeah, we, the, we, the campaign's got to move on. Continue rallying supporters, but uh, 
We have to investigate what happened in Iowa. Definitely. And the good news is that 538, Nate Silver's blog, and all the data that they're running and all the algorithms that they're running, they're favoring Bernie to win the nomination. He is the odds-on favorite right now to win the nomination. So we, we cannot... <laughs> We cannot stress sorry, that Sorry enough. to say, though, uh, 538 predicting anything gives me <laughs> zero confidence here. Sure. Okay. But that said, you know. No, I still, I still think, look, we are all electoralists right now. <laughs> we are all depending on this right now because the Sanders campaign is doing extraordinary things and is still in a position to win this thing. No doubt about that. So we are all still relying on these electoral contests to win. At the same time, part of me thinks that Bernie should drop out and go to the mountains with the rest of us as we figure out the next steps. (laughs) Until then, we have about a month until Super Tuesday. So uh, look on the map, see where there's a contest near you, and knock on doors. I think knocking on doors is probably the best way. The the uh, the texting and the calling doesn't always get through. I mean, a lot of times you'll knock on the door and they won't answer. But it really does psychologically impact uh, a voter when they see people out there and they see what it means to people getting out there, hitting the pavement, knocking those doors, talking to people. I'm sure a lot of people you can convince, and this isn't my vision of socialism. It's not Sam Sachs's vision of socialism. But you can probably tell uh, some suburban soccer dad that, you know what, Bernie just wants to make us a little more like Canada. And that's that's basically yeah. true. Do all that and also be preparing to go to Milwaukee with a million other people. Yeah, yes. And riot on the streets if yes. they try to take this away from Bernie. And also start to think about a mountain hideaway <laughs> near, near a gun store. Anyways, uh, it's Thursday, which is always a good day to subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Garbage can nominations are open. And after this week... I'm anticipating an all-timer garbage can show on Friday. Uh, Of course, that's available only to subscribers on Patreon. Five bucks a month, you get access to all the bonus content. Subscribe whatever you can. Contribute whatever you can, and you get access to, to putting forward garbage can nominations and voting for garbage candidates tomorrow on Patreon. So, uh... Get those nominees in. I I know between the uh, Iowa Democratic Party, uh, Tom Perez, Pete Buttigieg, Dr. Jason Johnson. (laughs) Trump, maybe even. I mean, there's just... Mitt Romney praisers, the everyone fawning over Mitt Romney. Look, it's going to be it's going to be a a garbage can show for all time tomorrow. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, it's Thursday, February 6th, 2020. Here's the news. The Department of Homeland Security is retaliating against New York State over laws allowing undocumented immigrants to get driver's licenses. Yesterday, DHS barred New York residents from expedited travel security programs. Those enrolled won't be kicked out, but they won't be able to reapply. The agency said today there are up to 200,000 New Yorkers in so-called trusted traveler programs and 30,000 truckers in programs enabling expedited entry from Canada. In a statement, Acting Secretary Chad Wolf attacked the so-called Green Light Law, 
Wolf said he was particularly concerned about language that, quote, prohibits the DMV from providing ICE and Customs and Border Patrol with important data, end of quote. In other words, the best part of the law is what upsets him. This will likely end in court under judicial review. An advisor for Governor Andrew Cuomo told NBC News the Trump admin was engaged in, quote, obviously political retaliation and that, quote, we're going to review our legal options. Let me uh, just tell you what your legal options are here in the Trump era. <laughs> you have none. You have none. You're, you're going before uh, some dipshit who went to Dartmouth Law and graduated like probably four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably like 37 and uh, maintained four different race science blogs before he turned the age of uh, 25. <laughs> <laughs> he has probably never practiced law in his life. And if he has, chances are it was for some kind of union busting law firm. Just saying, if you were concerned about executive overreach before, welcome to the fucking Trump era in which you had people like Lindsey Graham in the Senate for the last three weeks just completely, completely neutering themselves in any power they possibly had to put a check on the executive. Moving on, Trump's Labor Department has hired a pair of union busters to hold the union oversight jobs. First reported in Bloomberg... Last month, the Labor Department hired Rusty Brown and Trey Kovach to work at the Office of Labor Management Standards, an agency tasked with auditing union financial disclosures and investigating allegations of corruption among union officials. Brown and Kovach's record suggests that they will relish their role investigating labor unions, trying to break them up. Brown, formerly a union avoidance consultant, previously worked to decertify the SEIU's representation of 27,000 home care workers in Minnesota. Kovach previously worked at the right-wing free market think tank, the Competitive Enterprise Institute. No offense, but it sounds like Kovach's grandfather was Ustashi. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm getting that kind of energy over here. <laughs> uh, the hire suggests that under new Labor Secretary Eugene Scalia's leadership, the Labor Department will take a more aggressive posture toward unions and working folks in general. Bloomberg reporting that Brown and Kovach are focusing on going after worker centers around the country, hoping to get them classified as unions in hopes of forcing more paperwork and reporting requirements. Worker centers have popped up in response to declining unionization as organizations work to assist and organize workers, inform them of their rights, particularly immigrant workers. Worker centers also pressure employers who are engaged in abuses. They are not, though, able to collectively bargain. According to the Economic Policy Institute, there are at least 139 worker centers in the U.S. in over 80 cities across 32 states. Trump's Labor Department is trying to kill off any semblance of working class solidarity. Quick hat tip to Maximilian Alvarez, host of the Great Working People podcast, for sliding into the DMs and flagging this story for us. Check out Max's podcast. The head of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau testified today before Congress. Kathy Craninger told a House committee she doesn't really believe in the mission of her own agency. Here she is in an exchange with Maxine Waters, chair of the House Financial Services Committee. Congresswoman, I, I don't want to speak for the things that happened before, but I will say it's certainly Congress's conclusion 
in uh, the Dodd-Frank Act and the actions taken that there was a need for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau uh, to really uh, help coordinate and oversee compliance, at least within the financial services sector. But so, we continue so to <coughs> hold very close partnerships with the other federal agencies and certainly with the states. So you do believe, however, that there was a need uh, for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau? I, I believe that Congress set out the mission very clearly for this agency. I take that mission very seriously, and I endeavor to do uh, carry out the law and, and carry out our responsibilities supporting so these staff. You do believe that there was a need to establish the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Is that what you're saying? Chairwoman, I would say it is very clear that Congress determined that, and my job is to carry out the law. So her job is to lead a federal agency that she doesn't believe in. As such, two weeks ago, the CFPB reined in its own ability to charge banks and financial firms with abusive practices. Take a listen to this snippet from Craninger's rationale. But having an unreasonable advantage over a consumer and taking a reasonable advantage of a consumer is something that clearly needs some distinction and, dis <laughs> and distinguishment. Distinction, huh? You can take advantage of someone just reasonably. Just reasonably. <laughs> Mask off for capitalism under the Trump era. This, e is, this is the head of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Exploitation within reason. Kathy Kratinger's CFPB. Mask off. Mask off. <laughs> that music means it's time to read some poetry on the show. All new subscribers to our Patreon get their own haiku written for them and read on the air. Why don't you lead us off, Sam? This is for Leslie. Fortune 500, dipshits for Pete Buttigieg, rat boy capital. Thank you, Leslie. Finally, this is for Matthew. Eating mayo globs to own my haters online who prefer ketchup. Thank you, Matthew. Crossing a bit here. I just don't want anybody to think that like the mayo had to do with Pete Buttigieg since you're, this was strictly the condiment mayo. Okay. <laughs> Before we go, let's check out the listener rant line. Hello, Sam. Hello, Sam. You know, a lot of people have been asking me, Pete, you couldn't have possibly rigged that election. You couldn't have possibly done anything to mess with those numbers or to get ahead of the front runner. Well, I have to say to that, lies, lies, I did it, I did it all. And you know why? Because you need me, America. Your guilty conscience might force you to vote Bernie Sanders. But deep down, you long for a cold-hearted CIA rat to lower taxes, brutalize criminals, and rule you like a king. Thank you, caller. Of course, people like me who were raised on Simpsons reruns between 6 and 7 p.m. on local Fox affiliates know that was a reference to Sideshow Bob <laughs> when he rigged the Simpsons mayoral election, mm. even though he was going to win anyway because... Mayor Quimby did not run a great campaign, uh, but Bob still rigged the vote, and uh, even though he didn't need to, I guess uh, similar to how Nixon did Watergate, even though he did not need to do that to win. Hmm. Anyway, that's what that is a reference to. Mm, are you sure? I think that was actually Pete Buttigieg calling and <laughs> confessing to election crimes 
on the show. Either way, thanks for thanks for calling. I mean, anybody who wants to call up on the show, we'll, we'll play their message. And in case that was Pete Buttigieg, you should probably call the FBI and report him. <laughs> 202-684-6108. That's our number, not the FBI's number. Don't call the FBI. Call the rant line. Leave a message. We'll play it on air. All right, we're back tomorrow with the Garbage Can Show for subscribers. Everyone else, we're back next week, Monday, with a brand new newscast. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be. <laughs>